Welcome to The Wood Podcast, where we explore solutions to some of the world's most critical challenges in energy and the built environment. I'm your host, Lauren Gallagher. Thank you for joining the second episode in our Water Innovation Series, where wood experts discuss intelligent asset management solutions to enhance water networks for our future. What challenges have been exposed in a rapidly changing world? How can water operators build resilience to future events? What steps do they need to take to achieve this? Today's wood guests are excited to share their insights. I would like to introduce Andy Clevenger, Global Technical Lead for Water and Wastewater, with responsibility for evolving wood's technology offering for our water clients. He works to sustain a world-class network of professionals and grow our business. Andy is based in Nashville. Good morning. Hi, everyone. Also joining us is Andrew Maitland, Strategy and Development Lead for our Asset Performance Optimization Group in the Americas. Passionate about bringing new technologies to global markets, he leads Wood's strategy in accelerating digital to address industry challenges and unlock asset value. Andrew is based in Houston. Hi, Lauren. Uh, thanks for having me today. And last but not least, we have Alessio Lanzara, Global Predictive Maintenance Lead, also from our Asset Performance Optimization Group. Supporting clients across multiple sectors with remote operations and predictive maintenance, he uses sensorization, analytics, and artificial intelligence to optimize assets and reduce waste. Alessio is based in Perth. Hi, Lauren. Thanks for having me on the show. Thanks for joining us today. So let's start with a simple fact. Water is essential for life, and yet its true value is often overlooked. One in three people live without clean drinking water. And by the year 2050, the UN estimates that up to 5.7 billion people could be living in areas where water is scarce at least one month a year. These issues of water availability, quality, and access are not new, but the pandemic has heightened the growing need for water companies to focus on resilient, cost-effective, and innovative ways to manage water and wastewater resources. What are some of today's challenges and how are water companies responding? Andy, do you wanna kick off? Sure, I will. And you know, I'll kick off with one of the biggest challenges that we're facing right now, and that's adequate funding. It's a big issue for the water industry really around the world. It's reported that 80% of countries have insufficient funds to meet their treatment needs, both for drinking water and for sanitation. And the thing is, as you mentioned, this, this isn't new. One of the problems is public perception about water. In general, we as an industry have not done a great job educating the public about the true cost of water, both drinking water and sanitation. And, and many people feel that water should be very cheap, if not free, and they'll push back hard on, on rate increases. And then at the same time, you have competing infrastructure, especially transportation, which tends to get the lion's share of public funding. Um, transportation and other public infrastructure like a big shiny bridge or a new stadium is more visible and, and officials prefer to put their money where people can physically see it. And that's understandable. So limited funding is, is a built in challenge that we've been dealing with for years. But now you add on the pandemic and the economic toll that we're seeing and you've got some real struggles right now in the industry. You know, more people are staying at home. Obviously, they're working from home and there's fewer commercial and industrial businesses operating at full capacity, meaning there is more water being consumed um, residentially than there is um, commercially. We've heard from clients that they're seeing a real drop off in revenue such that some of their large capital expenditures are at risk of being delayed or canceled. 
Overall, it's estimated that the economic impacts to the water and wastewater industry is around $27 billion annualized. And that's just for the US. We're seeing the same thing worldwide. So one major challenge relative to the water companies and roping in a lot of what Andy has mentioned here is ensuring continuous network resilience and quality of water supply to customers. So this is with population growth, urbanization, reduced funding, and a significantly aged infrastructure base, especially for those much older cities. So taking largely the London water and wastewater treatment and distribution network as an example. So in terms of assets, about 63% of the pipe work is over 65 years old, and 55% of those are under the streets of London, making repair very, very disruptive. And in addition to that, what the UK has seen in the past 25 years is a 28% increase in road traffic. So this really constrains the available time you have to undertake maintenance activities. It's very hard to manage this uh, whilst keeping the public happy. In addition to that, about 30% of water abstraction is lost through leakage, and 98% of those are hidden leaks on underground infrastructure, going undetected for a long time due to minimal instrumentation with public reports only coming in when things get pretty bad. So water companies are left with a, a very large and difficult maintenance backlog to manage, and it's usually quite reactive. There's a need to balance regulatory requirements with managing an increasing number of assets nearing end of life. Yeah, some really good points there, uh, Alessio, and, you know, just uh, building upon, you know, the both the technical challenges and the economic challenges that, that, that Andy mentioned as well. You know, we've got the we've also got the backdrop of the uh, energy uh, transition going on. You know, these 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 improvements uh, all need to be made, but, you know, in a sustainable and uh, environmentally uh, friendly way as well. You know, um, people need and expect clean, affordable and sustainable drinking uh, water supply. You know, uh, paying for water that comes in single-use plastic is becoming less and less socially acceptable. You know, but you need to be sure what comes out of your 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 faucet. There's my uh, American influence, or your tap, as you would say in the UK, is uh, is is safe to to drink. You know, but um, but but other other themes and other expectations from the public of their utility uh, companies is to, you know, manage pollution and minimize or reduce. Uh, pollution, uh, emission reduction, uh, decarbonisation and, and energy efficiency are all becoming increasingly key performance uh, metrics for for utilities. And, you know, we're, we're seeing we've we've hit on a couple of things that really compete with each other. And that's at, that's having adequate funding at the same time we have aging infrastructure. You know, so much of the water infrastructure in, infrastructure around the world is is well past its design life. And, you know, as that gets older and older, failures are going to become more frequent if we can't reinvest. But reinvestment is a real challenge right now. Um, you know, we've touched on as well that 30% um, of drinking water globally is lost through leakage, primarily from old water mains and, and storage facilities. In North America, I believe that number is lower, around 22%, still way too high. But actually, uh, you know, it gets much higher and much worse than that. One of our clients in the Caribbean was actually seeing up to a 50% loss of their water prior to initiating a rehabilitation program. It was a challenge for them financially, and they they ultimately had to depend on funding from the World Bank and the Caribbean Development Bank to get their rehab program started, which, which they did about five years ago. So they're in a better spot now than they were before.
In our challenge backdrop of aging infrastructure and funding, today we have the added unpredictability of natural and human-caused disasters. The UN predicts this costs governments on average $300 billion globally each year. How can greater digital innovation help water companies build resilience? The thing for me is, you know, with all the the uh, constraints that we have on our uh, resources, you know, the 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 best way to uh, tackle that is to get the most out of the, the the assets that we we have. Utility companies are increasingly embracing asset management best practices, such as ISO fifty five thousand standards or the effective utility management framework. Um, there was a, a US uh, EPA. Uh, led initiative, um, you know. However, to to be fully uh, successful, uh, in my opinion, you need to deploy a, a, a digital strategy uh, that's aligned with that and it's to designed to support your your, your asset management uh, ambitions. Uh, it needs to be, you know, fully integrated with your operational philosophy, and and actually optimizes your your business processes. Uh, that the idea is to reimagine uh, the approach uh, to you know the process by harnessing the, the the full capabilities of the technology. So you know, building on that, Andy. So you know, it, really, the the underlying thing that we're talking about here is is building resilience into our systems, and and this can be resilience from outside forces like natural disasters or even the pandemic we're dealing with, but it can also be from internal issues like mechanical failures that can take down a whole water system. However, if you've got a, a robust digital network, it can really help get that plant back online quicker, therefore more resilient. So what you're doing is you're giving some visibility, some frontline visibility to the plant operators uh, regarding the condition of a facility during and after a disaster. I mean, it could be a it could be like a five day, 10 day flood where nobody's able to get there. And if you've got a good digital system, you're able to see what's going on, what's working fine, what's not working well, what's going to need immediate attention. And, you know, all in all, what this does is it gives the ability to to fix problems quicker and get back online quicker following a catastrophic event. Yeah, yeah, but you're, you know, and that's how they're, they're, we've got the ability there in, in the industry to be able to um, deploy a digital uh, strategy that helps you to manage your knowledge, you know, manage your physical assets, uh, you know, work management, performance measurement, uh, condition monitoring. You know, the technology is now uh, available to ensure that the that the data you need to make the right decision to ensure the most efficient and effective and resilient um, management of your assets is, is there at your, your, your finger uh, tips. In fact, you know, with AI, uh, the decisions can even be made for you uh, to, to, to a certain extent. So we've been discussing the zero touch maintenance theme with a few clients here in Australia. The zero touch maintenance theme is, is everything on the use of sensors, predictive maintenance and condition monitoring, basically making use of the data. Um, however, with as much focus on enabling remote operations and automation as possible. So I have three high value examples of these in the water sector, and these can all help to reduce uh, supply interruptions. The first of which being reducing leaks and unaccounted losses through thousands of acoustic sensors, smart meters, and district meter area profiling, which enables predictive leak monitoring. Second one is, is something we didn't actually talk about on the challenge front, but uh, it, it's around reducing blockages by about 10% on the wastewater side. As Annie mentioned, with increased residential water usage relative to commercial, 
funnily enough, uh, but a real challenge in the water sector is a flushing of managing the flushing of wet wipes and and kitchen rolls. Um, so targeted pump and network modelling can help identify and target key areas or regions in which to focus uh, um, on marketing campaigns against this. And thirdly, um, sewerage wastewater management, increasing labour efficiencies by about 10 to 20% um, and better allocation and use of resources. So efficiently analysing sewerage pipework, uh, inspection footage, images using computer vision. Um, and this can be a good needle mover to assist in risk-based inspections and remediation. A lot of these opportunities can be transferred over from either the energy and mining sectors, um, as there are many things that are quite common between them, such as equipment and, and processes. Back to internal resilience. Um, getting to a point where we have smart systems that can monitor our networks, that can alert operators to immediate problems, but also predict well in advance when you might have a component that needs attention will go a long way to saving money for an industry that, that clearly needs to save money. For example, you may have a predictive system that shows you need to replace a pump or some other crucial component when it's at its 75% of, of useful life. That may seem premature, it's still got some life left until you consider that if that component fails, you're gonna have a cascading problem that may be 10 times more costly to fix than just the replacement. So that, that right there is building in internal long-term resiliency brought about by digital solutions with real-time monitoring and predictive capabilities. So we've talked a lot about the sensors and analytics part of the end-to-end -end maintenance process, and, and that's one part of the story, but it needs to be strongly coupled with um, the smarts focused on effective maintenance planning, scheduling, and execution. With a heavily aged infrastructure base, constraints on time to repair due to the disruptive nature of these tasks, and limited maintenance budgets, it's absolutely essential to have a smart way of being able to tweak operations to extend the life of these assets, um, performing proactive maintenance to similarly do the same thing, and streamlining work and, and mobilising your workforce to execute uh, the work at opportune moments. This certainly ain't easy, and at least initially, a lot of what the digital investment can help with is the reallocation and prioritisation of work rather than taking costs out. Within asset management circles, this is about transforming an organisation from a, from a reactive operation and, and, and focus um, to one that is reliability-centric and proactive. So this should result in longer-term benefits and will definitely be one of the big wins to come out of the next five years, at least. Studies show that companies who have embraced technology are more resilient. I'm curious if we're seeing water companies and utilities increase the adoption of digital solutions. I think this year we're really, really seeing a, a step change in the in the uptake of uh, of technology. You know, across all sectors, uh, you know. People are, are, you know, are really seeing the the, the need for uh, a greater resilience and a greater ability to have visibility of, um, you know, asset condition and and uh, to be able to remotely monitor and and remotely uh, control. And all reports seem to suggest that that's going to continue and accelerate even further in the in the coming year or two. Once capital expenditure is is, is eased a bit, uh, as as we hopefully see uh, some recovery in the in the global uh, economy. Yes, 
I would say so across all sectors due to the large uptick in digital adoption in response to the pandemic. So you can reduce a digital solution down to improving the speed of important decision-making and making better decisions as you're considering way more than you have before. And if this is targeted towards network reliability problems, then a better outcome uh, will naturally be achieved. What's interesting to me is that there are a few differences between the sectors in the approach and some of the lessons learned. So the mining and oil and gas operators have been on the Internet of Things digital twins journey since about 2015. That's when the predictive maintenance hype really kicked off. So they're hyper aware of the failure rate of digital initiatives. About 70% uh, fail at the, at the proof of concept stage from a Beecham research, uh, research survey, mostly because designing um, around people and adoption is not really taken into account from the start. So treating these with a healthy degree of scepticism is, is essential in an effective transformation to be laser focused on whether an initiative is going to have an impact. One of the big things water utilities need to think about a little more is the additional sensing hardware required across the massively distributed uh, infrastructure network. This provides the, the foundation of being able to, to make informed decisions in operations and maintenance. So this means that additional investment is typically required to enable this. Um, so this must be used wisely with a, with a strong, strong business case. Yeah, it's actually one of the big sort of enablers for the the digital asset management progression that we're we're seeing. You know, we've had SCADA systems and DCS and PLC controlled systems for for, for decades now, but but that information and that data has typically typically been locked away from your your asset management group who you know have been making decisions on a theoretical basis or maybe information that they can extract from uh you know an enterprise asset management uh, system but you know one of the big step changes has been the you know the iot uh, technology and the ability to actually get that process true condition and performance information actually from the assets and start to build that into your your asset uh, asset management decision making. What strategies must water companies embrace to deliver an innovation dividend from this digital transformation and emerge stronger? We mentioned the constraints water utilities have, minimal funding, aged infrastructure, and minimal technology. Every dollar counts, so investing in surefire initiatives that can provide a short to medium term benefit to build momentum would be where I'd start. Going towards a, a network-wide digital solution, it really investing in your asset management is, is necessary, but it, it's clearly it's not cheap. Um, so the need to show a return on investment is huge. It's there, but you certainly have to show it. I think making use of pilot studies would be a, a great idea where the initial investments can be minimized. That's not a new, not a new concept by any means, but it certainly is in fact effective. Um, with a pilot study, the initial investment is smaller and you're able to better prove your your case for return on investment. The downside is, of course, it might take a bit longer implementing a, a pilot study, but if you've got the schedule that allows it, you certainly should consider that. For me, uh, an important first step should always be, you know, a, a really open 
an honest evaluation of you know your your current situation um, you know this can typically be done uh, via a self-assessment or, or maybe a benchmarking exercise with uh, you know comparable uh, companies or even even looking you know to um, other organizations and in, in, in other uh, sectors you know and then then the next step is you know identify your gaps you know identify what your look what your desired uh, outcomes uh, are, are to be and then set about defining your 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 framework uh, how you plan to address those challenges and then and then plan uh, carefully to to achieve that yes the the phased approach is really important and i will challenge to push past the proof of concept straight to a proof of value and a minimum uh, viable product with this approach you see how the technology can be used to generate value and and you can use it straight away yeah, I think I think so, uh, Alessio. You know, the best systems and the best technology will 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 fail without buy-in from the the team that need to utilize it. We've talked about a number of issues the water industry faces in adopting digital, and some of the actions necessary to drive the agenda. What's one final thing you'd like to leave us with on how we accelerate change? Yeah, well, you know, we know this change is coming to the industry and some organizations have already adopted it. Uh, Others may still be years behind. However, change is coming and we know that change can be a stressful thing. So, you know, I suggest that operators and managers focus on the culture of their organization and really prioritize change as part of that culture. Get your people in the right mindset for adopting these new technologies and and perhaps even excited about it. That will go a long way to moving the industry along faster. Especially in light of current circumstances, be laser focused on improving your yield uh, from digital initiatives. Imagine accelerating your transformation by two to three times with the same level of investment. Yeah, I, I just I don't think there's a real um, a, an option, uh, Lauren. To be honest, but but for uh, utility companies to embrace it, you know, um, budgets aren't going to increase, and 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 demands that we've spoken about are, and uh, you know, so the the uh, the only option would be to. Uh, be, be more uh, efficient and to you know make better decisions and you know I think the the, the, the digital um, the digital transformation or digital revolution is uh, is, is, is unstoppable now uh, I believe so I think there's, uh, there's 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 no going back and that brings us to the close of this episode in our water innovation series where we talked about how water companies can unlock intelligent digital asset management to build future resilience. If you'd like to connect with today's guests or explore related insights on water, please visit us at woodplc.com podcast, where you can also subscribe and receive updates to the Wood podcast. At Wood, our curiosity keeps us pushing, innovating, making the impossible possible. Thank you for joining us today on this journey. Take care and be well.